Hello and welcome back to the Drift Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Cipriano. So I just want to give a quick reminder. This is episode eight, so we are chugging along here. And this is going to be a primarily a psychology-based podcast. So, you know, all of the episodes I have, regardless of if the person's a comedian or an artist or an airline pilot, it's going to be psychology-focused. So, you know, what about your career, your life, your marriage, your mental health issues or your mental health in general is sustaining you in making your life meaningful so you can get past all of the suffering that we inevitably face in life. So that's just a quick reminder. It is a psych podcast, but it's also I'm making these episodes so that everyone can get a taste of different people's lives, especially people who are in such a broad range of fields and how it relates to the general psych principles that I'm learning about. So today I have a special guest on. Of course, they're always special. Her name is Megan Kelly. So I've known Megan about 10 years. If anybody listened to the fifth episode with Casey O'Brien, the artist, uh, me, Casey, and Megan worked together at our first job. That was about 10 years ago. So Megan actually started out her career as wanting to be a middle school history teacher, and she switched over to journalism. So if anybody doesn't know, uh, journalism is literally just about finding the truth. Uh, it should be pretty self-explanatory, but maybe it isn't. And in psychology, the same principles with finding the truth apply, especially to psychological research. So it's very important, you know, the boundaries kind of blur on finding the truth. And that's what we're going for as scientists and, and psychologists or journalists. So we're going to talk today about Megan's career right now, kind of her history in journalism school, what she learned, what she took out of it that was the most important. And we're also going to talk about some psychology stuff in her life. So Megan's mother passed away when she was 18 years old, and that dramatically changed the course of her life. And we talk about how she got through that, how she struggles with it still today, and the resilience that she built dealing with that experience. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about anxiety. Of course, we touch on the LGBTQ community because that seems to be all of my guests recently. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to find truth in a world full of fake news, deep fakes, and quote unquote, opinion-based journalism. So as always, thank you so much for joining. This is a great conversation and I learned a lot from Megan. Enjoy the episode with no further ado. This is Megan Kelly, The Journalist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Drift Proof Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Cipriano. And today I have another special guest on. Her name is Megan Kelly. You want to say hello? Yes. Hi. So me and Megan have known each other for about 10 years now. That It is 10 years, right? Yeah. Nine or 10. Okay. Yeah. We actually worked at the same gym that me and Casey worked at at the last episode or a couple episodes back. And she was on episode five or six. Yes. I just listened to it. This would be episode eight. <laughs> okay. So several episodes ago. Yes. So <laughs> um, Megan actually went to school for journalism after we worked together at the gym. And during when, while we were working together at the gym, don't make me I feel was, bad. I was working. <laughs> working and going to college. Do not get it twisted. Right. I was going to community college, so it didn't feel like actual college. I went to community college too. Cool. Let's talk about that then. So can we actually branch? Let's let's first do a little bit about you. So like tell okay, yeah, for sure. the listeners whatever you think is relevant for them, any context or anything that's interesting I mean, about you. I'm Megan. I'm a Gemini. Um, I like spiders. Uh, <laughs> what else? I don't know. Um, so you were a journalist. What else do you oh, do? Oh, yeah. I, I work for a local newspaper. That's basically it. <laughs> I mean, so, other than that, I just am like a normal person, I think. Cool. That is perfect. So again, this podcast is just supposed to have people on from all different perspectives in life that are doing something meaningful to them. Um, and it's all about kind of literally what you do in your day-to-day -day life that gives you enough meaning to not be depressed and nihilistic. Yeah. Well, so I mean. Wait, so how old are you, Megan? Uh, 27. You're 27 also? Also. I'm 27. I thought you were older than me. 
I think you're an early birthday. You're an Aries. You're uh-huh. an early birthday. Yes, that's possible. Yeah, you're an early birthday. So you're you graduated a year after me, but you're the same age as me because you're an early birthday. Okay. So um I just want to talk to you really fast about your kind of like journalism. We'll start off there and kind of tell me what journalism journalism is and <laughs> what journalism is. Yes. I don't well because I don't really know what you go to school and learn in journalism. So. Um I guess so originally I um when I was in high school, I was uh, like, my plan was to go be a teacher. I um, wanted to go be a history teacher, a middle school history teacher. Why so specific? Um, because I really liked history and I thought middle schoolers were kind of badass. <laughs> I can't even okay. deny that. They were, they're very, like, they'll just tell you how it is. And I kind of, like, I'm the same way where it's like, you know, you just got to keep it real. And I loved that about middle schoolers. So I was like, that's what I want to go do. So you were going to community college for that? that no. Point. So I went to, I started off at OU and because I didn't actually want to be a history, a middle school history teacher, like subconsciously, I didn't actually want to be. Ooh, um, deep. Well, I mean, I, I had job shadowed a middle, an, an actual middle school history teacher. And every time I went to a history class that I knew was going toward this major of being a middle school history teacher... Every time I I heard her voice in the back of my mind going, are you sure you really want to be a history teacher at a middle school? Like, it's not that fun, (laughs) basically telling me that it sucks. And so I was like, like, it was always, always in the back of my brain. And so when I started taking classes that kind of went toward that major, at least a little bit, I started to like, everything went downhill. Like I just wasn't, I, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. I hated being in those classes. And so I ended up transferring from OU to OCC because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. So Oakland university to Oakland community college. Yes. Okay. I want my, my dad was like, well, if you don't know what you want to do, go save some money over at this place. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I was living at home anyway, so it was just kind of like, all right, I'll just go to OCC. And, um, David was in my speech class. Oh, my twin. Yes, um, he failed, but I passed. How do you fail a speech class? Um, we had the h- meanest and like harshest grading teacher or professor ever. I remember this very vividly. <laughs> the class was graded on five speeches. That okay. was it. And if you failed one of them, you failed the whole class. Wow. And I remember the one that your brother failed on because it was the one that had the PowerPoint. And the reason he failed was because he gave his whole speech but forgot that he had a PowerPoint up. So midway through his speech, he turns and looks, and he looks behind him, and he goes, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And then quickly tried to, like, go through the PowerPoint, but it was too late. So um, I think in that class there were, like, seven people that actually passed out of, like, the 30-something that were in it to begin with. I wouldn't expect that, to be honest. It was pretty fucked. I can't even... But, I mean, I passed. I did really well in it, actually, so... So, just out of curiosity, what did you not like (laughs) about the middle school history classes? Because it sounds kind of cool. I was working at a daycare that involved dealing with a lot of children that were just god-awful And they were teaching history at the daycare? No, they weren't teaching history at the daycare. I just was... I spent so much time with kids at the daycare... That I realized if I had to spend my entire life dealing with kids, Mm -hmm. I would end up killing myself probably. (laughs) Like, I can't even mince words like that. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. So just out of curiosity, I'm going to kind of go on a tangent. Go for it. What do you think are some important history lessons that you could teach people? Like, what are the most important things that anybody should just know about history being in this time frame as a millennial or even around 
you know, younger than millennial Gen Z. Or- I don't know if there's anything in particular that I would say you need to know history wise. I think just being knowledgeable about events that have happened and not like, you know, the, how all of these states are trying to whitewash slavery and Jim Crow and all these horrible things that happened. And it's like, all you can really do is just actually know what happened and do the actual research on it and learning about it and not just sitting there and listening to like Fox News or any of these political pundits mm-hmm. and like talking heads on like, I mean, I, I'm I'm super democratic. I don't ever want to watch Don Lemon because re- even though I agree with pretty much everything he says, it's all his opinion. And if yeah. I want to sit and listen to somebody's opinion, I'll call up somebody who I actually know. Okay. You know, so, like... So you're getting in journalism a little bit, right? Kind of? I mean, I guess kind of. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is that I think that... Um, I think that the reason why we have history is because it's documented by journalists and people that wrote the newspapers during you know like okay so let's then let's branch over um back into kind of what you were going to school for so your communications class that kind of an era what actually changed to journalism why journalism um my cousin is an editor for uh m live what is that it's a news website it's like one of the biggest in michigan okay um she's an she's an editor for m live and she she and I have always been really, really close. And um, when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do, she was like, oh, come job shadow me. You know, you might like it. And I did. And I it seemed really fun and cool. They had a police radio in their office. That was, that was just cool. like popping off every once in a while. It was. It was cool. I was like, this is fun. This is like something that's not going to be the same every single day. You know? Yeah. And that's like the main thing okay. that I'm about. You know. So like, at what point did you switch your career, I guess your education over to journalism. Did you already have a two year in something? Uh, I finished out community college. And by the time I was finished with that, after two years, I was like, okay, I actually do know what I want to do. And so, so what did you finish it with the two years? Was it in communications? Uh, liberal arts. Oh, that's pretty common for the two year. Yeah. And then what does two more years of a bachelor in journalism look like? A lot of journalism courses that are basically just in most of the classes that I took, they would just kind of give us free reign. They'd be like, all right, go find a couple sources. Think of a story that you think is important. Go find a couple sources and turn it in next week or in so two like, weeks. You know, it was. What were some, like, what were the names of the courses, though, that you remember? Um, I remember my favorite course was magazine writing because I got okay. to write anything I wanted. I got to drop the F word in these, in these articles. You say right you now, know, say like, fuck. Fuck. Isn't that exhilarating? <laughs> I mean, I guess kind of. <laughs> Maybe it would it would be a little more exhilarating if I didn't say it every day, multiple <laughs> times a day. So you had that class. What are the classes that you actually enjoyed taking? Um, that I actually enjoyed taking? I think that I would have really in, enjoyed my convergence journalism class if I my professor weren't such a... Like, okay, so a what is convergence journalism? Convergence no journalism was uh, kind of like using the internet as a tool to get your message out basically so okay. basically basically what we learned was how to make a wordpress site and like that's actually very how useful. to like i i did this sort of thing where i had to make a podcast audacity and, on this kind of recording yes software. and it was i mean i remember the podcast one uh we had to do she was pissed because um she was like you guys have to pick an event and you have to do either a photo like thing or a podcast about it and me and my friend in the class i don't remember her name 
Oh, her name was Anna Robb because she, it was like that same. Her name was the same as that one actress, Anna Sophia Roberts. All right. And she was like, everybody thinks I'm her. People follow me on Instagram all the time. <laughs> anyways, anyways, that's a totally different situation. Um, She and I were like, okay, we're going to go to this one event. And we went to it and it literally wasn't happening. And she and I were like, okay, so like, what do we do? Like we have an assignment due in three days and there's no more events going on around here. So like we emailed our professor and she was just kind of like, sucks. Lovely. And she, me and Anna were like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? And so I did a whole podcast, but like, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast Lore. Um, it's this guy, he tells these like creepy stories All right. and he tells them in this like super like mysterious way. Cool. Like, blah, I blah, think blah, I blah. like that. And so I just did it, the assignment anyway and without the event happening, but I did it as like a mystery, like this event was supposed to be going on and it wasn't. <laughs> so stupid. It was so stupid. But I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like I didn't have another option. Right. So I just did that and I turned it in and my professor, like when she was going through them, she was like, yours was so good. Like even though <laughs> the event didn't even happen, she was like, you did such a good job. I got a hundred, like I, I got a four point on that whole assignment. Poor Anna got like a zero. You but didn't like, include her in it? It was an individual thing. Okay. Like, I couldn't do anything for her. And she was doing a photo one. So I would have told, I would have given her a tip on the podcast one if I had, you know, known in right. hindsight. But, I mean, she did the photo one and just had, like, a couple photos of an empty parking lot. She tried, but, like, it didn't work. Mine, I was able to pull off pretty well. So um, what is what do you think are the most key things you took away from that journalism education that are the most helpful in your daily day-to-day life? You know, I... It's not, it's not hard to do, you know, you're yeah. talking to people is relatively easy. Getting people to want to give you information is what's more difficult. So I always, I, I see like the corny detective shows where like the journalist goes and talks right to the police chief and he's like, I'm not going to give you any information. Then he just gives information anyway. Is it like that in real life where you kind of make connections and that's how good you are based off your connections? I know a lot of things that a lot of people do not know. Oh my God. And will not probably ever know. Nobody just saw her eyes, but I saw her <laughs> eyes when she said that. I'm, I, I know that that sounds a little bit creepy, but like, I mean, I mean, I, I know, I know a lot. Hoffa, Kennedy, uh, Amelia Earhart. No, I wish I knew that stuff. I mean, local stuff. Like, I mean, I could I could give you the tea on pretty much any local, like, Hoffa. high up person. Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. Um, okay, so, like, what else? What did you actually take away, though? Like, what skills do you do you think you became really articulate? Is that something that you would... Um, what, I've always been pretty at? articulate, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I think I've become a better... My problem is, is that I always have a lot of opinions. For sure you um, do. So, uh, so I've learned how to, uh, what what I mostly was able to do was learn how to uh, take my opinions out of my writing. Okay, I that's mean, really important though. Absolutely. I, I mean, in my career, I can't, I, can't, I just can't. So I, I can't do that. I, do have, I have, have to, go ahead. So only because it looks like journalism, at least on the mass scale, it's more of entertainment anymore, but it's all opinion based. Like there is no, is a there A good still, majority of it, yeah. Is there any real journalism? Like where do I find sources, even on politics? I'm I'm totally open to both sides, but I want to get actual sources. Yeah, so um, I think I think what's important to understand is that it's really hard to find an unbiased source nowadays. Yeah. So what I tend to do is just for myself, kind of you know keep an eye on everything. Like I'll read I'll read the dumb articles that people put on Facebook that right. are like Trump is 
here's 10 ways Trump will be president, you know, that mm. kind of crap. I'll read those. I mean, I, I obviously I'm not getting like brainwashed like some of these people are. Well, yeah. But but that's where your journalism, I'm sure education has helped you to pick out. Absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing is that going to going to J school is I mean, that's what it's called. It's what it's called. Going going there really kind of has helped me discern what is what can and can't be trusted. OK. As a source. I, I think that it's kind of for you. And for like people that don't want to go to J school just mm -hmm. to learn how to do that, a good rule of thumb is to just kind of trust your gut. Like if it feels wrong, you should people, maybe do some further research. People have bad intuition though, I think, on stuff like that. I know that people have it's a lot emotional. of bad intuition. And the problem is, is that I don't know what you can do. Like you can't fix people who don't right, want to like, see that. What tips, sort of if stuff. you were giving someone that was like, I don't know, 16, they're like, I really want to get into politics or I want to get into this story and I want to find is unbiased is information or even if I had bad information, how do I wean out? Like, what are the red well, flags I mean, of bad information? The red flags of bad information are opinions, obviously. Um, okay, so just watch how it's worded maybe? I or? mean, that and I think it's also important to know who's funding some of these. Yeah, that's a good point. Some of these news, quote unquote, yeah. news sites. I think that some of the most unbiased sources that you'll find, the problem is, is that even the most unbiased source is still going to be a little bit leaning one way or the other. Okay, but it's better to find that than someone who's Exactly. So, I mean, I I read the New York Times. Uh, I would also say the Washington Post is pretty good. NPR is very good. Uh, Politico is pretty good, too. I mean, most of those are a little bit slightly left-leaning, but... The problem is, is that there aren't a lot of slightly right leaning. Most of them are like aggressively. So right what I see media. now to fix that hole, because I think you're right, is all these podcasts popping up and people like Ben Shapiro and you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, but like that have kind of a right tinge to them, but they're trying to get unbiased as they can, but a little bit more conservative. So it's yeah. like little, little people. It's not the big stations. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I think that the, that's definitely a positive for podcasting is mm -hmm. that, um, you can get different sources and different opinions, I guess. And it's, I think I would, th you would think that with the access that people have to, th to like information, mm -hmm. it'd be easier to fight misinformation. Yeah. But you would. Again, there are, there's always going to be people that think that their 20 minute Google search is going to yield the same results as an eight year and medical degree. You, you know, you like, and there's nothing field. you can do. To combat those people. Mm -hmm. Like, there's always going to be people like that. And yeah. for me, all I can do is go to the right sources and share the share good information mm -hmm. and proper information, sources, people like that. You know, I mean, I'm not... I'm just trying to weed out, like, I'm trying to get you almost to come up with a formula. So say I go on... I don't think there is a formula is the that problem. That sucks. I'm so... I want that. And I, think I know you... Do. I know. But I unfortunately don't think there is because opinion-based media has kind of corrupted our entire system. Yeah, and that's what pays. So well, you said you have to check the funding. So just really quick, with psychological studies too, like the pharmaceutical companies that come out with the findings that promote their drugs are the ones that fund it. So yeah, how do you find who funds things normally? It's right? it's difficult. I mean, you can't just take it at face value. If You, you got to go to like... Um, you got to like go to their website, like, you know, that scroll down to the bottom mm -hmm. and see all that information and just kind of do your best Google sleuthing. Okay. I've gotten really good at that because I I'm a journalist. do it. <laughs> oh yeah. I was up North with some of my friends a couple weeks ago and one of them works at a school district. We'll 
remain unnamed. Okay. Um, and she was talking about another te- like another teacher there, and she was basically talking about how this teacher is awful and blah blah blah. She was like, I'm pretty sure that he is like you know doing something nefarious, and she was like, Megan, find him. <laughs> and within five minutes, I had, I had found an old business that he had owned. I had found records of why the business was no longer in business. I found out that he was like a trustee at some point. I was like, here's his home address if you want to go visit him. Mm-hmm. Here's where his kids go to school. You know, like, and all my friends were just like, how did you do that? I was like, I Googled it. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I it's, it's a lot easier than I think people realize i mean i just don't think people have the same amount of time or patience or tools or knowledge but like you said i think that's actually probably the most beneficial you've taken thing you've taken out of that education is you are seeking the truth as best you can oh yeah well that's i mean that's the whole point of journalism yeah like i said that's that's what at the root of journalism it's you just want people to know the truth the problem again like i said is that opinion-based media has just kind of become everything that people want to hear mm-hmm. and it's like even for me like as much as i love to hear somebody saying the same thing as i do right it gets annoying you know it's like i i can think these thoughts on my own mm-hmm. i'm gonna go do something else that's now. good you're open-minded about it though honestly and, and look on both sides you have to you have to i mean i think that's the only way for you to form an opinion is to know both sides of the opinion and to i mean it fortifies your opinion too yeah and i think that's the problem is that people just don't want to look at the other side ever do you know what the iron man argument is uh no you take kind of like the strongest point on somebody else's argument and you try to fortify it as much as you possibly can and if it actually Mm -hmm. becomes stronger than your own argument then you need to reformulate your opinion right instead of straw manning where you take the shittiest piece of somebody and you see this all the time straw manning on local news they take a shitty part and cut something out or say something well, it's, stupid it's people just like to ch- people love to cherry pick information mm-hmm. nowadays it's, it's very like, frustrating it's like they'll take the one thing that works for them and then disregard everything else that mm-hmm. is said and it's just like how that where's the line you know there's, where where does it end yeah there's so many psychological biases you can look up if you literally just look up psychological biases yeah. you can find 20 of them that you're doing probably when you're looking at news stories and stuff and it's yeah. very so just be aware i guess self-awareness too if you want to find the truth, you have to actually be honest with yourself first before you can try to find honesty in the world. Yes, absolutely. So um, you got your four year and then mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that you're still working in a newspaper because <laughs> no one, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. Gen Z hears that and they're like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah. It's like, what do you actually, how did you get that job? And then what are you actually doing day to day? Are you guys still doing pretty good business wise and surviving and thriving? Um, I, I don't know. I know that I still have a job Okay, and that is... All I know as far as how the business is going. So what are you actually doing in your um, job? I So my, my beat is mostly the schools. Uh, so I am spend way too much time at Lake Orion High School. Oh, yeah, where we way graduated. Way too much time <laughs> at Lake Orion High School. It's horrible. I have all these. <laughs> the first year that I was working at this job, I would, because I cover, I, so I cover the schools. I cover the Downtown Development Authority and uh, sports, and then I do, you know, like, features. Okay, so, like, what would a normal story look like to you if you posted one? I mean, it it depends on what, I mean, a school school story would just be what happened to the school board meeting, so probably something COVID-related today. Okay. A feature story, I'm working on a new business story right now. That's more of a feature. That's cool. Um, Yeah, and then I was at the high school earlier today, taking photos of girls swimming because I have a hot. girl swimming article. So fucking hot. Okay, they're high schoolers. <laughs> Cut that kidding, out. That is disgusting. <laughs> Whatever they know I'm gay. Cut that out. Can't joke on my own podcast. No, you can't. That was awful. <laughs> 
You're going to get arrested. I know, right. I'm going to call the police right now. It's a joke, everyone. Okay. It's a joke. It's they're gonna an inappropriate that. I'm gonna joke. Get that exact clip cut out. On, you're going to post it on your Instagram. <laughs> this piece of shit. <laughs> Journalism at its I finest. would do it, honestly. Don't test me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I every week I do a little of everything. You know? Okay. Um, that actually sounds interesting. So like with the business, you just go to the owner and you go, hey, I want to write a story about your business. Tell me everything you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, interesting. I, I talked to her on the phone yesterday, went down there today. She gave me some nice crispy water. Nice. Wow. <laughs> You're on top, Megan. And, <laughs> and things have been going pretty good for me today, I think. <laughs> some crispy water with some lemon. <laughs> oh, my God. No seeds. No seeds. Oh, my God. It was some of the best. I'm not even joking. I know that I sound like I'm kidding right now, but it was the best water I've ever had in my whole What's life. What's the business out of curiosity? Is it related to water or lemons at all? Yeah. So it's uh, it, it just opened up in downtown Lake Orion. Hell it's yeah. called um, the Orion Oxford Water Company. Oh, it actually is water. Yes. Oh, no. Uh, I don't they, think you're being sarcastic at all. Anymore. No, it's it's a water company and um, they they sell really crispy water. And they also have a tasting area that's basically just a bar where if you sit there, they'll pour you some water and let awesome. you drink it. And that's what happened when I went there to talk to her. She was like, sit down. <laughs> you want some water? I'll give you some purified water. She took like a water shot with you? And then it was a full glass, dude. I sat there and I was like, oh, damn. This is some good water. That's actually such a cool. Have you ever been to an oxygen bar? No, that's kind of what I it sounds like. like to that, yeah, that actually sounds pretty fun. You literally, you literally like you're at the hospital. They throw those little things in your nose, the two little plugs, <laughs> and you're sitting there sniffing smelly gas. That actually oxygen. sounds pretty fun. It honestly. is. It's cool. <laughs> you got like of... a little head buzz. <laughs> Did you get a head buzz from your water? No, no, but it was very refreshing. And all I could think was, all I could think was, damn, like imagine if you were hungover having a whole gallon of this stuff in your like fridge. How to get like, on DoorDash? Cold. Well, they sell them in like, they sell like big gallon glass bottles. I will and actually buy one of those. My editor and I were like, I'm about to go buy one of those. Like, those look great. I for sure will. See, like, we're bringing uh, health it back. It was like a gallon jug for like 10 bucks, and then it was like 55 cent refills of the crispiest water you'll ever have. Oh, had. I was going to say, that's expensive. But if you're paying for the jug too, that's reasonable. Well, you pay $10 for the jug and then 55 cent refills. That's reasonable. On the jug. That's really reasonable. Yeah. It's cheaper than normal water. And it's the crispiest Crispy. water that you'll ever <laughs> drink. I'm telling you. So do you ever, just out of curiosity, does the newspaper, are you familiar, do you know, do they have like an online platform too where they're trying yes. to make money? Yeah. Do, do they put ads I, up to make money? Yeah. So we do ads in the paper. We do ads online. Um, I basically run our whole paper's uh, website. Cool. Thanks to my convergence so journalism class that taught me how to run a WordPress site. No, that's valuable. WordPress, I know. Seriously. I, our website is great. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's a WordPress site, so it's not like the most amazing Whatever. That's what ever. my website is. But it works. <laughs> but it works. And, um, it, I, I mean, I do all the updating for it. Like we have a guy that we can call to like fix things if they need to be fixed. Is his name Ron? I don't know his name. Um, because we never call him because every time we have a problem, I just fix it on my own. See, she's making herself fireproof. Everyone learned that lesson. You want to make sure that you're fireproof. I know. I make that joke at work sometimes too. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we don't, I don't think any, like, I think I'm good. You know? So and if, I'm sounding. I'm. I don't mean if any of my employee employers or people above me. I'm not. Hey, she's fireproof, and that website's fucking crispy. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> as crispy as that water. So I have a question. Have you thought of what you want your future career to look like at all? Like ten years down the road. Um, kind of. I mean, I am not much of a forward thinker. It's okay. She's still drift proof. Everyone, um, you fucking hear that? She's drift proof. I don't really. Uh, I don't like to think too much about. Anything that's like more than a year away. But you must have thought of like something like what would a dream job be if it was just a pipe dream um, in, in the field? 
Okay. In my <laughs> in my magazine writing class uh, in college, I uh, my professor gave me back one of my many 4.0 assignments. Wow. And in the margin, he had written like, I think you would be like a great writer for like a late night TV show. Oh, cool. And you can do that. I have somebody think about that. Always, always like thought about that where it's just kind of like, I don't think that's something that I'll ever be able to accomplish, but like, I don't think I'll ever forget that, that thing and, yeah. and how cool that would actually probably no, be. No, you should watch how you speak. Yes, you can accomplish that. But you have to, <laughs> well, yeah. so this is a whole point of the podcast. You have to plan ahead if you want to actually get there. You're not. No one's going to approach you from Jimmy Fallon and be like, hey. Well, obviously, I don't want to go on Jimmy Fallon anyway. Okay, that was a bad example. Give me a show you'd like to be on. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Anyways. Not Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> not you any know, of the Jimmys. To, I'm not saying you do the second, but like you should have like a five-year plan of how you want to excel in the career. Uh, blah, blah, blah. No, because eventually the newspaper isn't going to. No, I know. Oh, you don't have to tell me that. Okay. Oh, no. I mean, I, I like my job right now, and I have a lot of flexibility and a lot of room to grow. I've learned a lot. At my job, I've learned so much, and my experience there is invaluable. But I mean, I've been there for three years now. Three years now, I'm getting ready to kind of move forward. Cool. I'm just looking for the right time to do that. Yeah, that's fair. But you should look. I mean, if you want to get into like the late night TV writing, that'd be awesome. That'd be I such know. a cool thing to do. I know. I need to just keep myself steered out of corporate America. I think. I, I agree. And, uh, so. I was looking, do you know what industrial organizational psychology is? No, of course I don't know what that is. I wasn't sure. So it's business psych, pretty much. You go in and you help with employee retention, training programs, motivation, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I've been looking into it, but it doesn't sound like what I want to do. I think I want to go with the clinical psych route and stay out of corporate and just do my own business and have my own clients and not. Right. So I agree with you on that. But um, th don't you think that entertainment would be kind of corporate, though, just out of curiosity? Uh, I mean, yeah, but I, I, when I say corporate, I mean, I don't want to go into, like, corporate communications. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Where I have to, like, you know, be one of those, like, call people. Oh, no, that's, that, not, that's not even journalists. That may, yes, but that was but that's, like, a job that I could go get probably pretty easily. I, I and I could probably make double what I'm making right now. I'm sure. And so it's that's the problem is that it's, it's so tempting to I go that. drop into corporate America and just be like, but let me think of how to word this. I really enjoy the job that I have right now. I don't think I'm willing to sell out for money. Yeah, no, that's a really good thing to tell people. <laughs> Unfortunately, but there's a lot of people our age who have done that already. Well, and I think that's fine. I think that if you want, if you, that, that if that's what you want to do, go for it. I just am. Um, that's that's not my kind of thing. Corporate America is just not gonna happen for me. I agree, but ever. it's interesting because everyone I've talked to on this podcast, and it's just regular people in my life. It's not like anyone in particular or anything. But yeah, no one's said that they want to sell out and not do something they actually are happy doing, even if it will make right. more money. And it's good. I mean, a lot of people do that. And I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're making a lot of money and it makes you happy and you can spend your time outside of work yeah. being happy, that's fine. But your eyes lit up when you talked about the late night show. And I think that's so cool that you have an idea, <laughs> at least some kind of a vision, what would be cool for your future. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, that happened to me back in 2015. Yeah. 15 or 16, and I forgot. still remember it. Yeah, yeah because it I mean, because clearly that was something that like meant something to me. Yeah, it gave you that kind of little hint of maybe I can accomplish this dream one day, and that's yes. so cool. And but I loved that professor. Edward Nakafor, if you hear this, I, I love you. Professor Nakafor? His name is Edward. It sounds like a Harry Potter name. It does, doesn't it? But uh -huh. he's the best. I love him. <laughs> if you hear this, I love you. <laughs> so do you actually have, like, I don't know, do you want to talk about journalism anymore, or you want to kind of move on to some care. more psych shit? I don't care. We can talk about whatever you want. This is your podcast. <laughs> okay. so I'm just here to talk. Okay. So I kind of do want to talk. It's, it's getting a little personal. That's okay. 
Yes. <laughs> so, um, Megan, what, what if I said no? Would you just be like, I would have oh, switched topic. Okay. <laughs> I want to go to therapy one day, and like you have to wait. What? Meet to- the okay, wait, wait, hang on. What topic would you have switched it to if I said no? Um, probably braiding your vagina. That would have been worse. How do you know? Because I know exactly what question you were going to ask <laughs> so, before. We're going to talk about your your mother situation. Is it okay? Are you comfortable with that? My mother situation. Yeah. Yes. So kind of give us some backstory. My mommy on this. issues. No, maybe they're not issues. <laughs> I mean, the background. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I was, uh, my mom passed away when I was 18. She died. She had ALS, which is a, I don't want to get this wrong, but like, it's when your uh, like your nerves it's neuro, start to right. yeah it's a neurological issue where your nerves just kind of start to dwindle away so mm-hmm. like doing regular things you just like can't do um, but she had that uh, she was diagnosed when I would think was, I was in like ninth grade with okay. that and so um, I was dealing with that through all of high school and then um, my senior year she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer within months she had died pretty pretty terrible I was going into my senior year. So it's 2011. That's such a bad time. That my that mom died. Yeah. So uh, this was uh, 10 years ago this year on September 25th. So this month, 10 years ago this month is when my mom died. And um, it was pretty awful. I had had this big falling out with my best friend. Everything just kind of went to shit. So my senior year was horrible. I don't know. I always just admired that we worked together and you always seemed positive. And Oh, yeah. The, and you want to know why? Yeah. This is going to sound so stupid. But, Maybe it um, won't. It, it will. I promise that it'll sound so stupid. It's like a year, I think, after my mom died, that following Christmas, I randomly was like, I want the Friends DVD box set for Christmas. I had only seen like three episodes of Friends. I don't know why the hell I decided I wanted this, but I had decided this. And so my dad bought it for me for Christmas, and me and my brother sat and watched it. And there's a character on the show, Phoebe. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah Phoebe. Seen the dumb one, but right? She's not dumb, okay? <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> the dumb one is Joey, okay? Let's get oh, yeah. let's get this right. Um, Phoebe is just, uh, she's spiritual and she is herself. But Phoebe also has a mom who's dead. And throughout the whole series, she's constantly like making kind of like small little jokes about it. Just kind of through watching that, I was like, wait a minute. You can do that? You can make jokes about that, and that's how, how I learned that you're allowed to joke about your own trauma. Yeah. And so... I will tell you, after spending a year in psych ward, comedy is the best coping mechanism. Absolutely. No, no one can change your mind on that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, even to this day, I still will like, you know... And then when you can kind of laugh about it, not obviously in a, I don't know, irresponsible way or like uh, too funny of a way, but like when you can laugh right. about what's happened and that's negative, it's, it means that you're actually starting to deal with it and to get over it. A oh bit. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not something you ever get over. No, but, it is. Drama but, isn't something that you get over. But I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, I mean, me and my brother are just kind of masters at that sort of and joking and yeah. And it's transformative. I mean, that's what trauma does. If you can learn to face it head on and it's yeah. scary as fuck and mm-hmm. kind of grow from that, it's a transformative experience, but it's always there. Absolutely. It, yeah. actually, it leaves marks on the brain. So but it's kind of cool because it's like literally the physical marks on your brain. It kind of designs how your brain looks and yeah. it designs how, how you become as a person. How do you think that experience shapes your life as of 10 years later? My experience of losing my mom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, such a crucial time in your life too. It's, I mean, at, at this point in my life, I'm kind of used to it, you know? I well, mean. Um, yeah, I, I bet a little bit. But. It's, I, I mean, she was always around when I was in high school, but even during my formative years, she was, I mean, she was dealing with ALS. Mm-hmm. So like I wasn't getting nearly as much attention as like probably some of my peers were you know 
I mean, I, I had to grow up pretty, pretty fast. And yeah. even at 15, that still is pretty fast, it you is know? Fast. So I, I mean, I don't want to say it's impacted me in a negative way because ultimately I think it's made me a stronger person in general, I'm sure able has. to kind of deal with uh, loss easier. I mean, not easier, but like, you know, it's, I'm able to process things a little bit better. I think it's, it's tough to answer that question just because it's, uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know what it's like. So today I feel, I, I, I don't know how things would have been different, you know, mm -hmm. like it's just, I'm, it's, I'm so used to it at this point. It's been 10 years. So I don't know what would have changed. I sometimes feel weird saying this, but I'll say it anyway. And I, I say this to my friends all the time where it's like sometimes I kind of look at it as a little bit of a blessing. Um, and I know that sounds awful, but I see my friends and I see people that I know that like are reaching that age with their parents where they're realizing that their parents kind of suck, you know. Oh. And it's like. I thought you were going to say they're getting older and they're going to no, 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 no. I mean th that like I I knew my mom up until I was 18. I, I didn't know her enough t for her to taint my idea of her and so to me she's always going to be that great mom that never did anything wrong mm -hmm. was kind of mean to me sometimes but you know that was because I was being bad or something like that yeah you know so I'll never have to deal with like my mom flipping on me and becoming like this horrible person that I didn't know that she could become you know mm -hmm. I, I I kind of look at it I try to look at the silver lining you I have mean, to. It sucks. What's but the alternative? Exactly. I mean, I I say it jokingly all the time, like, God, I'm glad I don't have a mom. I mean, obviously that's not fully true, but sometimes it is kind of true. I'm like, I don't have to deal with the stuff that some of these people do have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And it, it's easy to, especially when you get into this age 20 something. Yeah. Um, the relationship with your mom can get a little bit toxic. I'm not saying that from personal experience, <laughs> but I do see from personal experience in the hospital, I see a lot of 30-year-olds with their mom that's totally overbearing yeah, in their life. really, And it, yeah. it becomes extremely toxic. And I'm not saying that's supposed to happen. It's like the fraudulent uh No, it's and, and that's complex. the thing is it's not it, it's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to have toxic relationships with people. You know, that's why they're toxic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's because it's not natural. It just, um, it just sounds like you had to make the most of it. Really, what else can you do? I mean, yeah. So That's um, pretty much what I have tried to do. Yeah, so the one of my favorite psychiatrists, his name is Victor Frankl. Have you read Man's Search for Meaning? No. So it's, it's one of the most, I would say, best-selling books of psychology of all time. But it's pretty much this guy was in a death camp, four death camps in Jeez. the Holocaust. And he was a psychiatrist who went. He lost his whole family and his wife and everything and his manuscript and everything they burned. Ugh, and man. he got out of it. And he came up with the philosophy out life that through your suffering, which everyone's going to endure, mm -hmm. um, it's necessary and it's life is full of suffering. That's where you draw the greatest meaning in your life. So I see the most meaning I have in my life right now is I went through a very hard time in 2019 and now I go to work every day and try to help people not go through depression and pretty much feel suicidal. Right. Um, so it was through my suffering that I actually had the most meaning. So I was just curious if you find meaning through that that really hard experience. What You know, it's obviously transformed you and made you stronger. I find meaning through it? Yeah. If it kind of transformed you into the person you are and that's what sustains you is... I'm just, I know it's kind of a I don't, long shot. Honestly, I, I mean, I know that... Uh, like oh, dead parent is kind of like a buzzword almost. Taboo, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, not taboo, but I mean, it's just kind of something that immediately, like everybody's ears kind of go up, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I understand for a lot of people that it's like really, really hard to accept it and kind of move forward with your life. It's It's really hard. And I mean, I, it took me, years, years to get over it. I'm sure. And even, even now I'm not over it, but like, 
I have kind of at this point in my life, I've gotten to a point where it's just like, it's a thing that happened to me. It does not define me in any way. To me, it's just this thing that happened to me. It's no different than a thing, a traumatic thing that happened to you or a traumatic thing that happened to anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, like everybody has something awful happen to them. Yeah, that's life. At some point. And I mean, I remember when I was one of the only kids at that high school that had a dead parent Mm -hmm. and feeling what that felt like. And it was very alienating. But at the same time, once I kind of realized that, like, they're all going to have to go through this at some point anyway, too, it made me feel less. It was just like, well, you're just the first in line, you know, they'll be next. And I mean... Not to make it morbid or bad or anything, but like I'm friends with a lot of them on Facebook still, and people people do are losing parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. I mean, everybody, that's something that everybody is going to have to go through at some point, and it's sad every time. But I have chosen to leave that part of myself and my life in the past because. At, there was a point in my life where it really, really fucked up a lot of all my, my relationships. I don't know how it couldn't. Not at, exactly. Out. Like at, almost everything was falling apart mm-hmm. for me at a certain point. And it wasn't until even a couple of years after, like it was like two years after my mom had died is when it all kind of hit me. You know, it, it took me a while to even just kind of like actually lose it. You mm-hmm. know, like I was I was already kind of going crazy but I somehow was able to keep it together for a couple of years and then it just everything just kind of exploded around me. And I don't like, think that's uncommon for that stage to follow that way. Yeah. And it it was it was really bad. I, I, I ruined a lot of relationships. I did a lot of I, I said and did a lot of really shitty and bad things to a lot of people. And sorry, I, 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 I feel bad about all of that stuff. And I have tried to show my remorse to the people that I owe like apologies to, I think I've covered most of my bases now at this point. Mm. There are some people that I will never ever speak to ever again. And I'm fine with that because (laughs) I don't like them anyway, but I now have kind of learned how to not act that way. No, but that's And I've kind of pulled it all together. I mean, at least kind of pulled it all together enough to exist and not have all of these horrible, horrible, toxic relationships around yeah, me and behaviors off of that yes so exactly i want to i do want to jump into with anyone who's obviously like you said everyone goes to trauma but it's really important that you grow from that and then even if you did some shit you're not proud of obviously you had to forgive yourself as long as you're learning from it but people yeah. get caught i see 50 year olds and 60 year olds in life that have a trauma that they've never worked out gotten yeah. over confronted mm-hmm. and then they become a not a bad person but like you said they do things that they wouldn't have done if they would have been more clear-headed and just face it head-on and courageously and bravely. Yeah. Um, so that's really important to talk about, I think. Yeah, and I mean, there's no right way to deal with trauma, but no. you know when you're doing it the wrong way. Y- yeah, so that's what... You're right. So there are some ways that you can deal with trauma. If you... As simple as it is, go to therapy, or you can do trauma journaling, where you're literally yeah. having this experience and you're writing it down with as much detail as you possibly can muster, and you're crying while you're doing it, and it's horrible, and you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. But then a couple of weeks later, you're going to start to feel better, and you keep writing these things down until eventually they start. To, you're getting them out of your head, and yeah. as you're writing, it's forcing you to articulate what that experience meant to you, and once you can understand. So it's there's a truism in psychology I read from Jordan Peterson. It says mm-hmm. things cannot be forgotten until they've been understood. You have to be able to articulate what that event meant to you, what mm-hmm. how you transform because of it, what emotions you were feeling what emotions Absolutely. it still 
So it's really important to deal with that stuff or you're going to live your whole life as a victim of your own trauma. And it's right. totally unnecessary. Yeah. I think it's also important that there's like, like I said, there's no right way to kind of deal with your trauma. I think that, right, but there are some ways to do there, it. There are, there are definitely ways that are better than others. But mm. I, I think that, um, if you, I, I, I'm, I don't know how to say this, but my, my first, um, I guess I'll just explain it in my sense. My first yeah. therapist that I had, she, the first session we had, she gave me a notebook and she gave me a pen and she was like, I want you to write down, do that thing, what you were just saying. That's you a know? good therapist to do that. She, she did that, but I didn't, like, I couldn't articulate mm -hmm. anything, you know? You can't until and you actually sit down and force yourself over and exactly, over Exactly, but, like, I wasn't going to do that, okay. you know? I wasn't ready to do that, that's, you know? That's therapy is you have to do more work and, than people are willing to do most of the time. Well, I mean, yeah, so what I ended up doing was, um, I would, this is going to be kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I would uh, I would just sit in my room and I would write down song lyrics just over and over again. I actually like, have done that too when I just and mm -hmm. I I, I retaught myself cursive because it looked better. That's awesome. Like I was just like I I just did that for hours and hours and hours. I would sit there and I'd listen to music and I'd write down song lyrics and then um I would go to see my therapist the next week and I would show her. I'd be like, well, I didn't do the thing you wanted me to do, but. Here are all these song lyrics that I was relating to, and like blah blah blah, and like they'd have like they'd be all smeared from my tears because I'm was a mess. You but know? that's actually doing therapy. But it was, it was incredibly helpful for me at that time. That, you know, but that is trauma. Where it's like it, as it as is. long as you're like doing something in a healthy way, like whether it's painting or writing down song lyrics or like. Again, I think you know the. I I don't think anybody knows the right way to deal with trauma, but that you know everyone. the wrong. You know when it's the wrong way. Yeah, if you're drinking excessively. Yeah, that's you not, can feel it when it's the wrong way. So what you did was actually genuinely and courageously face your trauma at the level that you could face it. You crawled towards Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah, and that's all you can and really do. People get stuck, and this is where the addiction cycle starts. Instead of that negative emotional pop up, or they'll have to do that trauma journaling, mm -hmm. and instead they're gonna go have a drink of beer. Or they're going to smoke a joint, which there's nothing wrong with those things. But if you're doing it in that context, right, out of not dealing and you're numbing, that's not that's no longer like a coping skill. That's absolutely, numbing. yeah. So I think it's really important to talk about that. That people get stuck again with the same traumas for 30 years because they don't want to deal with it, and that's where alcoholism comes from and severe yeah. drug use. And you have to be able to understand what that event meant to you, and you have to articulate mm -hmm. it at whatever level you're at and get there. Yeah, um, I, I think Crawl that, I, I mean, for me, I'm a journalist. So for me, writing has always been the thing that like mm -hmm. works for me, no matter what I'm writing, you know, yeah. I mean, I, it's the thing that gets me, even if I'm not writing like about myself, if I'm just copying down song lyrics or like doing whatever, if I'm writing, I'm able to kind of talk, you know, it's, it's enough for me to calm myself down, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, relax focus on this thing that's not nearly as important but is enough for you to kind of feel that emotion mm -hmm. and until it dies down enough for you to yeah so i not do, freak out no but that's actually seriously that's such great advice um no <laughs> because you. i do i take like the really direct approach write down everything but like maybe there are other ways to just do it and meet meet yourself at whatever step you can take but just take a step don't yeah don't numb and avoid you if you avoid it's just going to compound that's how trauma works it compounds like interest well like, i know people that like um i mean for me i i have a lot of different kind of mechanisms now mm -hmm. um i mean i don't write song lyrics as much anymore um i read a lot i 
Um, I have friends that like to, um, like to, you know, draw and do things like that. I'm not good at like artistic stuff like that. So I, I stay out of that, but I mean, do you want help with that? Yeah, we get this water off. <laughs> um, crispy. <laughs> probably not as good. No, it won't be I can good. pretty much promise you that. <laughs> Some water. Um, <laughs> it's not open. It's Kirkland water. It's definitely not as good as that hey, ultra bottle, purified baby. stuff. Um, where was I? What was I saying? Sorry, you have friends that. Oh, I was saying that there's there's I have a lot of different coping mechanisms oh, you do? now okay. in a certain sense where it's like I read a lot. I have certain comfort books that I'll jump back to just I do too. after like I've annotated the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I know what's th- on this page. It's going to make me really happy. Uh-huh. You know, like I do that it, with psychology books. <laughs> yes. It's like I it, it's it's about knowing yourself and knowing what is and what is good for you. And the, yeah. And no, it's true. And the only way you find out is if you actually do it, try all different ways. Absolutely. You just need to kind of test the waters out. So can I ask you another kind of personal question? Sure. Do you believe in, I know it's like totally jumping oh, topic. No, do you believe in their, in afterlife or anything spiritual above the physical three-dimensional plane? Um, I don't know. See, I always tell people that I'm agnostic. So that means you don't believe in anything, right? That means I don't know. That's what agnostic means pretty much? Yes. Have you ever seen that South Park episode? No, maybe. Where it's <laughs> the South Park episode, it's a, there's... Um, Stan gets taken away from his family right. because his dad was beating his mom because he was drinking too much PBR. <laughs> <laughs> I love Stan dad, his, dad's episode. His Pabst Blue Ribbon. I think that was that episode, even if it wasn't. Kenny, Kenny's brothers get taken to a, uh, brothers and sisters get taken to a foster family. All right. And the foster family is agnostic. And so they're like, we're agnostic, blah, blah, blah. So we only drink Dr. Pepper because nobody knows what it is. It's not a cola <laughs> and it's, not, you know, so like that's how I remember like easily what okay. agnostic is. It's like, you don't know you like there's probably something th- there has to be something because I mean, for me, it's like energy just doesn't disappear, you right. know, that's and, and what people are that. exactly and what everybody is, is a big ball of energy. Mm-hmm. So something has to happen. Mm. I don't know what it is, and I don't feel confident in making that claim, and I don't think I ever will be. So, I mean, I just kind of... That's actually a very intelligent way of looking at it if you're... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. blind faith, because blind faith is scary. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up uh, Catholic, Christian, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, I grew up going to church every Sunday. I grew up volunteering at church. Like, I was... Even in high school, I was like, hell yeah... God is good, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, now, obviously, I've changed quite a bit. I've been through a lot of <laughs> a lot of religious learning through my up- upbringing, and I just, I mean, I feel like I've done enough research on that side to be able to make a... I don't think anybody can say they know. For certain. Exactly. So I just think that, it's kind of like... Mm-hmm. If someone says for certain they know, raise a brow with them. Because and and that's what the that's what the church is 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 all these people saying we for sure know and and here's our evidence it's this book yeah and there's so <laughs> I've been looking into Christianity a lot and there's so much good if you read the Bible it just from a psychological standpoint I took a so Bible lit class in college cool. it's, it's very uh, well I wrote a whole <laughs> I wrote an essay about how the Bible uh, oh no <laughs> here we go so bad <laughs> I wrote a whole essay about how the Bible just enforces the idea that daddy kinks are like oh my a god thing. there's so many different ways to look at it. I, hey I man, <laughs> I wrote that essay. Would you and get it, an A on it? Uh, no, because I I didn't. <laughs> so I wrote the essay, but I turned it in like a month after it was due. So I didn't do great on it. But 
Okay. I was going through a lot that year. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a really tough year for me. So that's the thing too. If you ever look at someone's work or writing, you always want to look at the context behind the whole situation, time frame, their mm-hmm. life. So that's very important. That was the only way I was able to pull a three five out of that class was I went to the professor and I was like, I'm in a really, really hard <laughs> semester. And she gave me a three five. And my friend who also had a really shitty semester didn't do that. And so she ended up getting a pretty bad grade. And then a couple, like two years later, she and I were talking about the grades that we got. And I was like, yeah, I got three, five in that class. She was like, what the fuck? How did you do that? And I was like, oh, I went and cried to her. Another like, life lesson. I literally went to her office and cried about it. Seriously, like, life lesson. Go, never it's harder for, for It's harder for people to say no if you're crying in their <laughs> face. Remember that. I was just to say, always ask for help, but I like your lesson too. I mean, yes, it's always okay to ask for help. That took me a really fucking long time to learn that lesson. Yeah, everyone. Everyone has this ego and pride that they... It, oh I my God, that took doesn't? me so long to learn that lesson. Yeah, so... So long. Have you... I was curious asking that. Have you ever had any experience? So I have another friend I'll have on one day. He's a realtor. His mom passed away when he was young. Um, okay. I think eight or nine. And she told him, I'm going to leave a penny for you every day. Um, that's pretty personal, so I hope he's okay with me sharing this. But I'm, I'm going to leave a penny for you somewhere every day in the world to let you know that I'm out there and, and making sure I'm taking care of you. Oh, that's really sweet. And every day he's found a penny every single day. And Damn. He's never faltered on that ever. So I was you know, just wondering if you had any kind of experiences in your life where you felt connected with your mom in more than just a like a transcendent way above your physical body. Um, that she's still there and watching over you as an angel or anything you know that would classify as religious, just anything like that. You know, I- not really. Okay. I I, okay. I, be- I believe that I believe in things like that. I, okay. I believe that I believe in signs and fate and all of those things. You know, I mean, I I believe in the stars and the fate and all of that crap. Yeah, because you told you me you're a Gemini, so something. I'm a Gemini. Is, yes. I I mean, I believe in astrology. I believe that things are meant to happen for certain people. Things are meant to happen for people. I think that. Yeah, I think fate's real. I think that. I think that everything's written in the stars, Andrew. Okay, so I will say this because everyone in the scientific community that's hard science disses astrology. But if anyone doesn't know, astrology was the basis for alchemy, which was the basis mm-hmm. for chemistry. So yep. just saying. There is a lot. And yeah. I mean, I, I when I what I always say to people that want to like talk shit on astrology, I always mm-hmm. just say like it's kind of dumb for people to think that the moon can affect the tides but it can affect you you know know like it it, it can affect the entire planet but it can affect you as an individual person that just doesn't make any sense if somebody wants to diss full moons having an effect on behavior work at a psych ward full moons psych ward at the full moon it is a different world it's so bizarre and it's just like clockwork when i was a when when i was a senior in high school after my mom had died Mm -hmm. i spent every day in the counseling office because i just didn't want to go to class you know i was just Mm -hmm. trying to avoid it and so I'd just sit there and I'd talk to the receptionist for just the whole day, basically. And every every week when there was a full moon, there was a huge uptick in people coming into the counseling office uh-huh. in tears. Like, it, it, it's a thing. The moon has effects on people. And I, you know. Yeah, so I think that's interesting anyways. We but did. so, I mean, I, I'm... To get back to your original question, I I haven't really had any instances where I'm like, oh, that's my mom, you know? Yeah. But, like, I don't think that that's something that'll never happen, you know? I mm-hmm. just don't think I've done anything or, like, had anything, like... I My mom is not one to give me a penny every day, you know? Yeah. My mom was one to maybe show up on, like, if I ever get married. Yeah. It's that sort of thing, you know? Like, she would, you know, like a butterfly or something crap like that i don't know so can we branch into um are you okay talking about sexuality yeah sure so are you you're lesbian right 
Yes, I'm not. I'm not like out, out, but like I don't care. Is that okay on the podcast? Yeah, for sure. I can say it right now. I'm not like I don't broadcast it. Oh, but you're you're comfortable. You're just oh yeah. No, I just don't broadcast it. I I I talk about it. I mean, I definitely haven't said anything to my dad. Don't really care, Dad. If you're reading, if you're listening to this, hey. (laughs) So, um, I just wanted. So, my last podcast it was with. A guy named Nathan, and yeah. he's gay. And I've had a lot of gay people on here, and it's not really supposed to be just a gay podcast, but I just have <laughs> it's my social circle. You know, I have a lot. Well, of them. I mean, so yeah. I was curious what your thoughts on monogamy in the gay world were, or just in general with monogamy anymore, because I see a lot of people who don't really believe in marriage, or they're polygamous, and especially in the gay community. And I was curious. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I've said this many times. I don't share well, so I like the whole <laughs> polygamy thing would never ever work for me. I'm not. I've never been a good sharer, mm-hmm. and I never will be a good sharer. That's totally fine. Um, I think that if people do want to do that, go for it. I, I don't think that bothers. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, I just want I your mean, viewpoint on it. I mean, yeah, go for it if that's what you want to do. I I don't care. I I'm I don't think I'll ever get married. I don't want to get married. I don't want to have children. You know, so right. I don't I don't ever foresee that. I would never say never to any of that stuff, but I don't. At this point in my life, I don't foresee any of that for me. Okay. Um, but I also wouldn't put it past me to like spend my whole life with someone, you know, okay. just not in like a marriage so sort how, of situation. How would you stay committed without marriage? Because I think the paper, I know it's just a paper and everyone's like, yeah, it's law. But I think that actually committing to get married and going through all of that process may actually does hold people together when it gets really tough. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that you can ever, I mean, even with that piece of paper, you can't ever like guarantee no, that you'll be not with this person forever. I, I mean, buffer to for commitment. me, uh, me personally, I'm like, I'm, I'm just like a fiercely loyal person. Mm. You know, like I, I am too. I don't think I've ever, I mean, I don't, I don't date a lot. So, so it's like, I, I don't really run into that problem a whole lot Okay, where it's like, oh, I need to stay faithful to this person. But I think for me, when, when I do have that one person, uh, which is rare, I, I am not ever looking outside of that okay. anyway, you know, if I got eyes for you, I got eyes for you. I'm just one of those people. Okay. Like I just, I've, I've always been that way. Even back when I thought I was straight, it was weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did know? you ever date a boy? Um, dated, not really, a, maybe a little bit. Not really though. Okay. I dated too. I'm not going to say the name because it doesn't seem fair, but I did. Two boys two. or two girls? Two girls. Before two girls. I came out. Okay. What was your sexual awakening? I have to know. When did you know that you were gay? So it was kind of a process. So when, I think when I was about 12 years old, I, when you start getting attracted to the opposite sex. Theory, right. Of course. I was definitely attracted to boys. Like I knew that, but okay. there was a long psychological process where I fought it off for like four years. Of I'm course. Like, as I'm we like, all do. Yeah, I'm like, this is Most isn't of right. us do that. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't right. This can't be right. So right. I was forcing myself. To, I would even watch like girl porn on my la- on my phone. I was like really wow. trying. I'm like I, something here has. You to were turn trying me really hard. I was. And it, good for you. Well, they, not actually, not good for you. Right. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, so I didn't mean, that's my uh, Catholic guilt jumping out on you so right there. Good when, job. That's what you should. Whenever done. people say good for you, I think it's so sarcastic. <laughs> or in, I hear this a lot now. Um, I love that for you. I'm like you fucking bitch. Don't tell me you love. <laughs> I, I hate it's so sarcastic. I hate it when people say, uh, "What is it that uh, like?" Oh, I love that journey. Something like that. Whenever they say journey, it's like, shut up. Yeah, so condescending. But yeah, so I think I knew I had Barbie dolls. My mom bought, I have a twin brother and an older brother. So it was three boys. Right. My mom bought me Barbie dolls when I was like two years old. And that's what I wanted. That's actually really fun. I used to wear, yeah, I'd wear makeup and I had high, my mom's high heels and stuff. So, but like, 
my aunt and uncle always knew they were gay. They always knew since I was that young. But I wouldn't say I actually consciously put it into my awareness subconsciously for a long time. But until oh, I, yeah. was, I was probably about 16. And then it still took two years for me to fully go and embrace that. Because it's a whole, you know, yeah. you're doing it alone. It's a lot. It is. So actually, I got help from my aunt and my uncle who are homosexual in the, in right. the family. And that helped a lot. And, you know, I never explicitly said anything. But just seeing how they lived. My aunt had a partner. My uncle mm-hmm. was pretty much openly gay. So yeah. But I would say, yeah, I would say 16 is when I actually, actually started to come around to knowing or at least acknowledging yeah. It consciously. Yeah, that was that was probably around when I started, like, you know, you know, when you're laying awake in bed at night and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. That is it. Oh, shit. It was always those bedtime. You're just laying there. You're like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> Here oh, it no. Comes. Here it comes. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you're like, you know what? I, I just need to go to sleep. Uh-huh. And I'll wake I, up in the morning, I'll wake up in the morning and everything will be fine. <laughs> I, I'm just overthinking right now. You know, yes, that sort of thing. That was, oh, man. Yeah, that was. so. That, yeah. All right. So, yeah. What was your gay awakening? <laughs> <laughs> We're recording again. You're just you're stealing my question. I, you know what? I should just be you the know, one psychologi- asking questions. Psychologically, when someone asks a question, they want you to ask it back to them. That's why they ask that fucking question. You know, that's true. Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, um, I'm full of the psych bullshit. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, in hindsight, it was definitely um, like tie dye girl from uh, fucking the parent trap. Really? Like the original? Yes, but that wasn't, but like, again, I didn't, it didn't like actually like register as anything until I was maybe about 16. I didn't know it would be a uh, show. Mine was Danny Phantom then in that case. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tie Dye Girl, um, Danielle Panabaker and Sky High. Oh, 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 that's a great movie, by the way. A fantastic movie. Great. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, cult classic. 17 yes, again. Absolutely. 17 again with Zac Efron. Zac Efron, the yes. The best he's ever looked. Well, see, and Zac Efron was so hot that that's why I kept being like, well, I can't be gay. Like, was, Zac Efron's so hot. Jodie Foster. That was my weird girl. You were, I have a you did really like, yeah, I know. I remember I, that. that. I still love You Jody did Foster. really love Jodie Foster. Turns out she's She's gay. a lesbian. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so- I got a third eye for that shit. Never knew existed. <laughs> right? That's so funny. Yeah, I, I, it, it never really clicked until, until I was probably about sixteen, seventeen, and then my mom died. So I was like, I don't have time for this shit. Oh yeah, and that's then, actually a bad time for that to happen. It's a really bad time for that to happen. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I remember, I remember being in high school, and I remember being in the lunch line, and I remember some, one of my friends coming up to me and be like. Are you a lesbian? That set me back at least three years, you know? <laughs> yeah, I had Just one of those that experience. one. It's like, <laughs> excuse me, there are like a hundred people in this lunch line. <laughs> are you joking? Some like girl that, did that, that to one me too. really fucked me over right there. Yeah, some girl did that to me one day after asking me to give her my twin's number. <laughs> I'm like, what bitch. A bitch. Yeah, that Seriously, one. Seriously, that's rude. I gave her three pieces of gum the previous day. And you should have never... given her literally the ugliest person's phone number that you knew. <laughs> I know, right? And then, like, this is probably or given her mine. your phone that's how number. I felt at the time. You should have given her your phone number and been like, yeah, this is David. And then when she texted you, been like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> you know, something <laughs> like that. Shit. Just like totally ripped her apart. <laughs> that would actually have been really, really funny. And that's what she probably would have deserved because that's really <laughs> fucked up. And even t- like my cousin has a cr- my cousin's 15 years old. She has a crush on this boy and he like doesn't really care about her too much. And she was like, I asked him the other day if he was gay. And I was like, you cannot ask people that. Do not go around asking people that. She was like, why? I told him it was OK if he was. And I was like, it doesn't matter. You can't just go ask people that. 
All right, so this is what I, I just remember what I want to ask you. Oh, okay, what it's, is it? It's another red hot topic, and I'm going to try really not to, to be offensive. First of all, I need to say this, because my second episode, I talked about the trans community. I love oh the trans boy. community. No, no, I know. It's nothing bad. Okay. I talked about the trans you community. better not be offensive, because I'll attack uh, you. Anything I say is offensive, but it doesn't mean to be. So I love the trans community. I'm totally up for anyone who is trans transitioning and doing that, but I'm my only like question to you, no, my only question, do you think that it's been pushed socially to come out as transgender a little bit too heavy and people might be doing it that aren't and there might be consequences to that? No. Okay. So def defend that a little bit because I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to push anyone in a corner. But I think that, um, I think that that's a false narrative that has been pushed by right wing extremists. Okay. Only and here, here's people like Tucker Carlson no, who so just want to make a big deal out of it. I don't nothing. watch Tucker Carlson. My parents do though. It's on in the basement, in the, in the bedroom. So you hear it. Yeah. Right. I'm subliminally sleeping to it. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like transgender. Yeah. Seriously. No, that's what happens. That's no, a thing. No. So I work in the psych unit, right? And there's mm -hmm. a kids unit and there's like four or five of them at any given time that are transgender and i have to say in all fairness they're from that category that's not the normal population obviously they're psych unit kids so they're different right. and it's but i was just curious and you'll see a lot of them come into the unit and then halfway through after they've been exposed to transgender kids that get a lot of positive attention and stuff they right. switch over to saying they're transgender and i just think it's kind of confusing that's all even gay like if, if do you think if there was gay parents and like i pushed if I rewarded my kid sublimity, I don't want to say sublimity, but like unconsciously rewarded them for saying they were gay, why wouldn't a kid do that? Because it's a positive reward system for them. But people are positively rewarded for saying they're straight. Okay. What I'm, if what if we just accepted everybody when they came out as whatever they wanted instead of I see the the thing for me is that coming out as trans, I mean as as a gay person, I will never understand what same. it's like to come out as and trans. And I'm not trying to diss again, I do not but want to diss anyone. I can only I can I can speculate that coming out as trans is probably one of the most difficult things to come out I, as I think so too. ever. So I don't think that, I don't think that that's something that anybody would do just to do it. You know, so, like, let me, let me make all of these people think that like all of these people that I actually love, let, let me, let me see if they love me enough to mm -hmm. not be a dick about this. You okay. know, like, I, I think that it's more, I think that it hurts more to, not be accepting when people come out as whatever they want to come out as than it is to um, just accept people. You know, if, we, if yeah. we just accepted everybody as what they were, then I don't think there'd be a conflict. You okay. know? I know I agree. I just, I was just curious because there's been like videos of people that have switched over and transitioned and then they regret it and they've already done the, the surgeries or the testosterone that's irreversible. So that's the only why that's the only reason why I think it's a little bit different than coming out as gay because you're doing something physically altering that it's going to be permanent. Right. Well I mean at such a young age for a lot of them. I mean it's also something that um I think a lot of I mean I don't know. I, I, I can't really speak honestly I can't really speak on this. I don't really know. Okay. You don't want to? I, I mean I'm not I, trying to be offensive or anything. No no I just, no I, I just, just I don't want to say anything that's wrong, you know, because okay. I don't know. I I think that I'll, I'll just say that as a society, I think it would be better for everyone if we just let everyone just exist how they wanted to exist mm -hmm. and stop trying to police people's... And politicize everything. Well, it, just like, who cares? What Does it really... Does it affect you if somebody else transitioned and then decided they maybe didn't want to do that? No, you're right. No, it doesn't affect me. I mean, you do whatever you want as long... You, your right to swing your fist stops as at where my nose starts mm -hmm. if you're not hitting me i do not care yeah no you i know? think that's a good like, do whatever you want just don't uh, don't 
get me involved. Okay, that's fair. That's why I wanted to bounce that back and forth because I think my perception is a little bit warped on it. Um, right. Not a good way. So I'd like to talk to people about what they think. And that was a really coherent way to put it. Honestly, <laughs> no, it's good. good. I'm glad I that, that made sense. I don't want to agree with or come into everything. Yeah. I want to learn something from these episodes. I don't want to just yeah. go and agree with everything. So I mean, but that, that makes sense to me. So, um, good. I, I'm glad. Thank you. It's the best I can do. Okay. That's okay. So <laughs> do you want to talk about, I mean, you, I know you experience anxiety. Me and Casey can talk about it, but do you want to right. talk about any mental health stuff that you've gone through? I bring up my depression that I went through that was really bad in 2019. Yeah. I mean, I have chronic anxiety. I have depression that comes in waves. Okay. Um, have you ever gone to someone who could diagnose and diagnose that? Or yeah, I was your... on uh, I was on Prozac for several years. So that's an several years in high school. Yeah. Okay. Do you um, think that helped? Just out of curiosity. No. I I mean, at the time, I think it kept me from like killing myself. Honestly, so that is my philosophy. Um, I I think yeah. that at that moment in time, it like. It didn't make anything better for me, but it kept me from killing myself. Then so, it did. Then it did save your so life. So I, I will say that you know, as much as I didn't really like it, it made me feel like a zombie. I think I do owe the fact that I, I do owe that being on Prozac to even being here today. I think. Yeah. So that's my PSA on antidepressants. Said it before. If you were at a point where you're so you know depressed that you're suicidal and and something could save your life like an antidepressant, yeah. then take it. But what? I mean, you're very functional today, I think. Thank like, you. What have I you, try. Yeah, so what have you done differently? Or what are just tips that you could give somebody to manage things that isn't just an antidepressant? Or like- um, I mean, I, I guess this is this is a great conclusion because I can kind of wrap it all up mm-hmm. with this. Um, I mean, I with depression, I like I was telling you earlier, I think with both my depression and my anxiety that I – just try to control, not control, but I try to maintain my own peace, you okay. know? So it's like, I, for a long time was looking for peace in places that I was never going to find any sort of happiness or like, you know, calmness or whatever. Um, like what, what are some examples of something that wouldn't have done that or would have been bad sources to go? Unhealthy relationships and people that I shouldn't have invested as much time into thinking, you know, for a while there, I, I was trying to find somebody to save me mm-hmm. in a way, you know, I think a lot of people would and, do that. and I, and I've in the past couple of years, especially in this past year have kind of definitely learned, you know, how to kind of maintain myself mm-hmm. and not have to seek sort of happiness or anything from other people you know Mm -hmm. I can kind of get it from myself now I mean I love being alone I tell people this all the time my neighbor is always like hey come on over I'm like no you know (laughs) like I just want to be alone with my cat I don't want to talk to anybody you know so I just like for me it's about just kind of maintaining a space that I feel comfortable in and um don't get any triggers from you know so it's just about being kind of aware so I mean as much as I want to go read an article about that new Texas abortion ban Mm -hmm. I know that it's going to freak me out and send me into a total spiral so I can't do it you know Mm -hmm. and maybe in the next couple weeks I'll be able to get around to it but right now I like I can't I can't look at it because I know that it's going to give me a whole bunch of anxiety and make me really upset. I mean, so then what are the good coping skills that you've learned? So I guess that's one of them is kind of avoidant coping where you're just, yeah, I mean, I just mean, I I mean, I maintain my peace. I, um, do things that make me happy, like like reading and playing with my cat. Mm -hmm. 
I had to stop listening to mur- listening and watching like murder shows <laughs> because they were giving me way too much anxiety. You know, stuff like that. It's okay. just it's just about knowing what is a trigger for you and what is something that'll keep you from feeling that trigger. Like when I get upset about my mom, I go and I watch like I go watch like Friends or something, and it immediately calms me down. You know, I'm like, okay, like I'm in a safe space here. Do you feel like you used to use like we smoked a lot of weed? Back then, <laughs> yes. Day. Do you uh-huh. think that you used to use that in an unhealthy way, and, and maybe now you have a more healthy relationship with it? If you still smoke, um, I don't think I ever had an unhealthy relationship with it. Okay, I, when we were um, smoking back then, I was I was smoking to avoid a lot in my life. <laughs> to be honest with you, well, I mean, I probably was honestly at that point too. I don't think that it negatively impacted me too much. Yeah, um, same. But I can tell you that it didn't develop my growth in any way, shape, or <laughs> form. Um, I. I mean, that was because we were we were smoking weed. I, like, I I'm trying to think of how to answer this. We were smoking weed like constantly. Yeah, like that's back what I mean. then. I back then, we were high at, like 24 seven. Yeah, I, so there's nothing wrong with and use, so now using drugs or alcohol occasionally. Oh yeah, but, now it's like um, it's different how we used to be doing it for sure. Yeah, no, now I mean I'm an adult. I don't like I, I'm not high. But some people, they go their whole lives All numbing, the time, yeah. you know, and they never grow, grow out of that. So that's why I'm just wondering how you got over that and how do you, what are things you've replaced that with in a healthy way? And you still smoke, obviously, but you're not high right now <laughs> and you're not, maybe you are. No, I'm not. Oh, high so right you're, now. <laughs> okay. I'm not high right now. But you know what I mean? You've I do have my pen, though, if you want to get high. I might later. <laughs> I don't smoke that much anymore and I get blown out, girl. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. I, my eyes crossed, got fried. No, I mean, your eyes. for me, I think that, um, I smoke weed to like kind of wind down, you know, yeah. for the evening. Um, but you're not high all day long, numbing. No, everything. I mean sometimes, sometimes I think about those days and I'm like, damn, that was fun. Yeah, but, <laughs> I too, but that's being young and, and but that's um, when you don't have yeah, coping exactly. strategies. Yeah, exactly. Now, now I mean, I have the thing is, is is now I have so many adult responsibilities. Like I have a full time job. I live on my own. I have a cat that I have to take yeah, care but those of. Those are things know? that brings you meaning and sustains you. Well you know? exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that like I mean that's what you've replaced the weed with, I guess. Well I mean just kind of existing, you know, like mm-hmm. I have I have things I need to do. You know, I can't be sitting around getting high all day. Yeah. As much as it would be awesome to like sit down and have an edible and just chill out <laughs> for days on end. I can't <laughs> I do that. that. Like now. I just can't do it. You know, I mean, even when I was unemployed, it was like, I have things I need to do. Yeah, but you know? at the end of the day, you sit down and you go to bed and you're not plagued by your consciousness saying you're a piece of shit because you actually are doing those things that sustain you every day. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have meals to cook, places <laughs> I need to be, you know. Yeah. So it's the things that you're doing that maybe the responsibility you've taken that actually sustains you in more of a healthy way. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just, my thing is that I always need to be doing something. Yeah. You know, so, and even when I'm doing something, I, it, I have to be like doing two things at once. Yeah. Have you um, meditated before? Do you meditate? Uh, no, a, not really. It's such a good way to calm down because I have a very fucking anxiety provoking brain and I'm 10 right. places at once, but it actually does help. Well, calm see, me I'm, I just, I just need to have two things going on at once. So, you know, like if I'm reading a book, I have to have like music playing. Oh, see, it's hard. If I'm playing a video game, I have to have music. Like I'm almost always playing music and then doing something else. Okay. You know, I just, I, I just am always trying to find. It's it's just about for me. It's just about having something to do, mm-hmm. you know. So if I'm like sitting at home being bored all day, then 
I'm going to go smoke weed because I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. And that's so, what people, that's what people fall into. And then they yeah, become exactly. depressed because mm-hmm. they feel like a piece of shit. So they need, you know, it's the trap you fall into and that's how it spirals. Yeah. I mean, you know how people go to like parties and like with other people and like get really fucked up and yeah. stuff. I've never been that person. You're an introvert though. My pro- yeah. Well, my problem has always been like, if I'm just bored at home alone, I will, I will go get drunk. That's you funny. know, like I just, I don't have anything else to do. So yeah. it's just like, for me, I just keep myself occupied. Okay. And I'm, do things I'm and the like, opposite. I will have to, if I'm bored at home, I will spontaneously contact someone and then I'll have them over and then I'll drink with them. But I can't do <laughs> Well, see, I, again, like you said, I'm an introvert. Uh-huh. I like being left totally alone, not. you know? I'm so excited because tomorrow night, uh, they just added that new Selena Gomez and like, uh, <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Uh, Selena Gomez and then uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Oh my god! They have a they have a new show out on Hulu and there's three episodes <laughs> and it came out like the big on, launch. Yeah, the big launch. That's basically <laughs> what it is. But um, they came out on like Monday and I've been all week. I'm like I can't wait until I have a free night. <laughs> pro- hopefully it's Friday night. <laughs> hopefully I can just sit at home. And I can just hang out and watch the show because it's literally the only thing I want to do. And I've been looking forward to it all week. It's like that's my treat for getting through this week. That's awesome. For getting through the week. Yep. You know? Responsibility and then remember to treat yourself and do self-care. <laughs> yeah, treat yourself. So if we're going to finish this up, I just want you to give like one more piece of advice for anyone maybe that's Ooh. going to journalism or just anybody to find truth through the entire sea of all the information out there, any you know your best piece of journalism advice for that for someone who isn't going to be an expert, but just someone who can mm. increase their ability as a novice, you can think as long as you need to. Okay, and I will. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you want to go into journalism, make sure you want to go into it for the right reason, not. Like you want to go into it to tell the truth. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna get famous off of it. Probably you're not gonna get a whole lot of recognition. Probably ever. But even for me, like on a local scale, like it doesn't seem like it's important to a lot of people. But it is important for people to at least have access to this information if they need it. You know, there's a lot of things that people don't know that they should know just existing in a community. And oh yeah. And I, th- I think that if you're going to go try and find information, you start from the bottom and you work your way up. If you're trying to find the truth, you will probably find it. If you're just kind of half-assing it and just being like, well, whatever's in the f- this first link on Google, mm-hmm. I'm just going to run with, you know, like check the source, read the whole thing before you post it, not just the headline. <laughs> yeah, people don't do that. Like, you know, s- stuff like that. I don't think it's difficult to... To weed out the stuff that you know is false. Mm-hmm. Cool. But, I, no, yeah. that's good advice. Honestly, because people need that. We're all journalists in a sense anymore with all the information we have at our fingertips. I mean, yeah. Every, I mean, when you got journalists on TV that are only talking about their opinions, <laughs> you and I, <laughs> anybody can be a journalist these days. Yeah. You just have to have an opinion. Um, well, thank you so much. I do want to thank you for getting so intimate with all the information. I know there's some <laughs> really, no, really, I know there's some hard questions on there and like, I just think it's really brave to talk about this stuff, especially so that other people can listen and maybe you help someone dramatically with a similar experience in their life. Thank you. Thanks for calling me brave. I appreciate that. Yeah, hopefully that was the most intimate you've ever gotten with a man. (laughs) (laughs) Surprisingly, no, but... Damn it. Well, thank you. (laughs) only. Um, I appreciate you having you on here and everyone have a good day for listening. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye.